Job opening surge. Tom Lee with a major call on the markets and is Etsy a buy? This is the Running With The Money podcast. Let's get into it. What a day in the markets on this Friday afternoon going into the close. We're about 45 minutes away from the close. And right now, the markets, well, they're kind of mixed. With the Dow Jones down 80 points, unfortunately. NASDAQ up 38. S&P 500 uh, down um, just under literally a point. It's currently sitting down 1.51 points. Um, so not really bad there. That's like 0.03%. Pretty much nothing. Pretty much flat, as I noted. Um, and then we have the VIX moving to the upside 3%, likely. Um mostly due to that downside action we're seeing in the Dow. Um, and then you have the rest 2K down 4.82 points. So not too bad at the moment. Market's pretty mixed. A lot of opportunities, a lot of muted action per usual. Some of that choppiness still within the markets. Um, and we're going to get into a bit of that confusion. We talked last week um, in one of the episodes and we said, you know, the market is really just confused. The market's confused. Um, they are confused at the fact that you have this COVID Delta variant surge that everyone's freaking out about and masking back up about. And then on the back end of that, you have extremely strong earnings. You have an economy that's opening up. And that's really um, just how it's all working at the moment. So investors, they're a bit confused. Tom Lee talks about this confusion um, in this big call he made earlier today. And we're going to get into that. But first, I want to talk about the biggest headline of the day, and that is these job openings. So 10.1 million job openings um, in June, the Labor Department said this morning. Um, and that's the highest number or the first time it's ever crossed 10 million. This is a record jobs openings number. Now, Experts are saying uh, this quick increase in the rate of job openings is due to some layoffs, um, some discharges, et cetera, et cetera, mostly due to COVID-19. Um, and what this is doing is it is driving up the bargaining power of companies. So it's driving up really um, wages. It's driving up not only employment options for the workers, but it's also driving up wages. So now instead of getting paid, you know, 15 bucks an hour at say a fast food place like a Wendy's or a McDonald's, which is a lower paying, a lower end job out of all the classes of jobs. Um, now they're getting paid like 22 an hour, at least in the local area I'm in. And that's just a straightforward example of what employers are willing to pay right now for work. And they can't find work It's craziness. So job openings spiking. And then on the back of this, just last week, Friday, we got, you know, that jobs report and it showed that the economy added 900 154,000 jobs um, in July. So great, great stuff we're getting out of the economy. At least it's mostly good. And what this is creating is a lot of the big firms, a lot of the big banks to say, hey, the unemployment rate is going to be a lot lower than what we thought it was, a lot quicker than what we thought it was. So if you take a look, Goldman Sachs um, now saying that they see the employment rate, and they made this call today, uh, that they see it going down to 4.1% by the end of this year, and they think there's going to be hot demand for workers um, for the rest of the year, and that in all likelihood, these wages will also continue to move higher is kind of what they were hinting at, at least I believe. Now they said, quote, we expect monthly job gains to remain strong for the rest of the year, end quote. Um, and this is big time stuff here coming out of Goldman Sachs. Now, uh, the Indeed hiring lab director, Nick Bunker, said after the job openings report this morning, quote, labor demand keeps getting stronger. This is the third straight month of record-breaking job openings. So these job openings continue to break records. The economy is consistently adding jobs. Now, we have had, you know, a mixed bag of job reports, especially those adding jobs reports. 
Um, and those have been very mixed. Uh, you've seen a lot of them miss this one nailing it. Um, so at the end of the day, it seems that the economy is still recovering and it's recovering in quite a good way. Um, the consumer is still strong and you know, a lot of people need a lot of workers and that's not a bad thing. That's typically a good thing. At least in my opinion, that means, you know, Companies have so much business that in all likelihood they can't keep up and now they need more workers. Um, and coming out of COVID, there probably is somewhat of a labor shortage because people don't want the work. Um, but if they can get out there, you're going to see a continually, uh, continually strong economy. It'll be interesting to see what happens, especially on the back of this COVID dilemma we are currently seeing, whether COVID comes back in full force or not. Now, Shifting over to Tom Lee's big call. I want to talk about this because I read through this article. I watched the interview this morning um, and I was quite intrigued. Now, Tom Lee basically told CNBC. So this was this morning on CNBC in an interview. Um, he was basically saying that, hey, once this Delta variant is gone and it crest, um, he believes that investors are going to see more clearly and that pretty much it's going to be a risk on environment where investors are going to be buying, buying and buying. And there's going to be a big rally across the board and everything. In fact, he's said, quote, this is going to be the biggest wave that we could see in a year. If it peaks, we're going to have in everything rally a big one. And he's the co-founder of Fundstrat Global Advisors, big time, someone you want to listen to. Now, I bring this Tom Lee call up, you know, you have a bunch of other investors who make these calls, but Tom Lee, he's different because what he has done throughout the past 12 months, I don't think anyone else has done. He has called the market pretty much perfectly since COVID hit. I mean, he called the crash, he called the rally back, and he's called every single little up and down action since then. I mean, he's pretty much been spot on. He's been someone I've been personally following and he seems to be right. Now, he also said, quote, there are so many things overhanging the outlook that I think investors would have been selling the news on Q2. And maybe that's why we're seeing all of this confusing action on fantastic numbers. Um, and the comparables are justifying the downside action we're seeing. For instance, we talked about this in the Wednesday episode last week. We talked about how these great companies, such as your Amazon and those earnings, were being compared to numbers that were boosted from COVID. And while Amazon was turning out great numbers when they were compared investors didn't believe they looked good enough and pile on the covid you know confusion on top of that this delta variant confusion um investors were really just taking risk off and i think that's what they still think until this whole entire you know delta variant issue goes away so tom lee's saying you know once this delta variant thing crest over which it starts to look like according to some data and some experts that it is starting to crest over um, once this Delta variant issue starts to go away, I think as well as Tom Lee, um, that you could see quite a rally and quite a more risk on environment. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Also, just to mention it, um, just a headline coming across the board here in the past few minutes, this infrastructure deal, uh, deal in the Senate is supposedly getting close. Um, according to Schumer, it'll be interesting to see if that is the case. I'm not getting my hopes up, um, but I think the market, especially those industrials could react quite well um, to an infrastructure deal. I wish there was more actual spending on roads and bridges. Unfortunately, there's not, but that's just how it is. And we have to be happy with what we get, especially um, with as inefficient of a government as we've had of late. That's not a call on either party. Um, I think we all agree that our government's quite inefficient. Either way, getting away from government, we're not here to talk about freaking politics. We're here to talk about the market. And we just talked about Tom Lee's major call. That's going to be a big time rally after this Delta variant thing goes away. So have your watch list ready if you believe the same thing as Tom Lee. And I agree with him as well. 
Now shifting in to the biggest analyst calls of the day. And there were some big ones, but there's one company that has been named a lot here in the Monday morning action, and that is Tesla. Now, Jeffries and Bernstein both, um, well, actually, Jeffries upgraded Tesla to a buy. Bernstein re, uh, reiterating Tesla as underperform, which is crazy to me. Um, but this will give us a good dynamic of what is going on and what the analysts are thinking on the bull side and bear side. So Jeffries um, actually upgraded uh, Tesla today um, due to, quote, accelerated earnings. That was their reasoning. Um, now, they went on to say, quote, Tesla has been uh, capacity constrained all year. Looking into 2022, we see more global battery, electric vehicle demand, more battery and assembly capacity and broader, a broader and mixed accelerative uh, model lineup and still no legacy issues. Now I have to agree with that last part, still no legacy issue. I also have to agree um, with their, you know, constraints. Uh, you're seeing a lot of delays coming out of Tesla right now. There was just a delay that came across with the Cybertruck, which is unfortunate. Um, but Tesla is, I believe, working their best, especially the management team to get their, all their factories up and going and manufacturing. And Tesla is by far the leader in the electric vehicle space and one I want to invest alongside. But Bernstein not thinking the same thing, reiterating Tesla's underperformed today, saying, on quote, on net, we think current demand for Tesla is fine in China, but that Tesla has over backslash forward slash forward built capacity relative to the U.S., which is triggering price cuts and exports. We believe that China EV adoption will likely be similar to EVs globally, but that domestic competition and potentially government support are likely to make it difficult for Tesla to fully capture its fair share or sustain similar levels in profitability. So Bernstein over here is not only worried about the U.S. demand for Tesla product, but they're also worried about this China demand. And they think, you know, if the government in China wasn't the way they were and, you know, basically propping up Chinese companies and not liking uh, the U.S. at all, um, and trying to cheat the U.S. out of a fair trade deal and out of fair business, um, you know, they would say it's okay. But with the Chinese government acting the way they are um, and with the Chinese people thinking the way they do, um, which seems to be, you know, and go with the Chinese version of whatever U.S. company is trying to be over there, um, which doesn't really surprise me. You know, in the U.S., we think the same. So that's not a knock. That's just the way they think. Um, Bernstein really saying, you know, at the end of the day, we do believe um, that Tesla is going to struggle not only in the U.S., but China. So two very different views there. Bear case, um, Bernstein is the bear case in the, uh, in this situation, um, saying that, you know, they're going to struggle, especially in China with demand and U.S. demand as big automakers, legacy automakers come up behind them. Meanwhile, Jeffrey's saying, heck to the no. Um, we see solid demand in the future. Um, we see electric uh Adoption, EV adoption, um, expanding, and we think Tesla will get it done. So very interesting um, calls there on Tesla. Tesla moving to the upside today on those calls significantly. At one point today, it was up over 20 points. It's currently up now just 15 points or 2.18%. Tesla moving to the upside on this call. Um, now, Jeffries reiterated DraftKings as a buy. DraftKings is one of those names that I really actually do like. The, uh, and Jeffries saying, unquote, the continuation of growth, positioning for the future, and raising guidance is evident in the quarter and the basis for our bullish thesis. At present, we believe the recent moderation in stock performance coupled with the positive catalyst expected for, from the forthcoming NFL season are particularly compelling. And you could see a rally in these sports betting names as we go into the NFL football season, which tends to be 
you know, uh, a major time for these stocks to rally or has tended to be at least in recent years. Now, shifting into a call by Morgan Stanley, where they reiterate Amazon as overweight. Now, they said, quote, to be clear, the investment spend is real. We see Amazon opening more logistics square feet than we thought with more staffing and higher cost per hour and some higher one-time employee initiatives to stimulate labor supply. While we believe part of this investment is related to catching up to outsized demand from 2020, we believe part of it is related to new initiatives to drive continued durable multi-year growth. So really what Morgan Stanley is saying here is we like the investments Amazon is making back into themselves and we think that they are going to pay off in the future and make Amazon a better company. I like to call it 100% agree by Amazon. Now, um, the final call we are going to talk about today is on Apple and we have Maness Crespi Hart um, reiterating Apple as a buy saying, quote, in the dog days of summer with a scarcity of tech events this week, Apple's largest smartphone competitor will take the stage to unveil its latest innovations. During this crisis, we believe Apple has enhanced its value position uh, or proposition in the eyes of the world by introducing new innovations, supporting a more digital lifestyle and attracting new consumers to the planet Apple. Um, (laughs) That's a funny way to say Apple is a buy. And I agree um, 100%. And if you look to the last quarter that Apple turned out, those numbers were phenomenal. They were overlooked. And Apple is, in my opinion, 100% a buy, a buy as well as this firm. Um, now, shifting into our breakdown that we normally do, single company breakdown, we're going to be talking about Etsy today. Now, what's going on with Etsy? You're probably wondering, not too many people talking about Etsy. So this stock, um, it declined on earnings. In fact, it got nailed. It was like a 20-point decline on earnings. 20, 30 points wasn't the best. If you take a look at the performance, it's down um, right about 5.7% throughout the past week. So a little bit of opportunity there. And it's way off those highs of 251, currently sitting at 183, with a market cap of $23.5 billion. So what is Etsy? What's the platform? What's the company? Well, Etsy, ticker symbol ETSY, is a major diversified retail company that offers customers creative and handcrafted products created by entrepreneurs globally. In short, Etsy's platform connects entrepreneurs to their customers via a digital shopping platform. Now, breaking down the company, Etsy operates under four separate marketplace brands, the first of which being Etsy, the core platform. Now, while Etsy is the core platform, the company maintains three other brands. That's Reverb, Elo7, and Depop. Now, exploring Etsy's brands, Reverb is a popular digital marketplace for the buying and selling of musical instruments. Meanwhile, Elo7 is the Etsy of Brazil, and Depop is a Gen Z clothing buying and selling platform, which seems to be quite the buy because, well, guess what they did? Um, They just acquired Depop for $1.625 billion, um, noting a significant opportunity or sizable Gen Z exposure and a significant opportunity to expand the company's total addressable market TAM for short. Now, leadership was upbeat about this Depop acquisition. I'm um, saying, quote, we love Depop's rapidly growing GMS and loyal and engaged customer base, excellent user engagement and unit economics, opportunities to expand value, added seller services, clear path for ge- geographic expansion and highly scalable capital light operating model. My oh my, CFO Rachel Glazer having a lot to say about that call right there. So Etsy making a big move here, acquiring Depop. They now have three brands under the umbrella of Etsy, bringing their total, total dressable market 
to um, total, total addressable market. That's a fun way to word it. To $1.7 trillion. That's a big time TAM. Now, uh, exploring the company's leadership team, Etsy is led by CEO Josh Silverman, who, let me tell you, has a ton of experience. He joined Etsy as CEO in 2017, and he boasts experience from the likes of American Express, eBay, Skype, Shopping.com, and Evite. I mean, those that's quite a solid list of companies. American Express, eBay, and Skype. Holy smokes. But we're not done there because the rest of the management team is made of leaders who boast experience from the likes of Yahoo, Disney, Leaf Group, PayPal, General Electric, Viacom. I like this management team. It has a lot of mature experience in it as well as some young experience, which you want to see in a management team. You want to see younger people in a management team who think more like the Gen C consumer that more of these companies are going to have to cater to in the future, as well as that wisdom of the older, um, more experienced workers from the likes of the General Electric and the Viacom and the Yahoo, a lot of lessons to be learned from those companies as well. Now, digging into the numbers, Etsy beat Q2 2021 expectations with an EPS of 68 cents, and that's much better than the EPS consensus estimate of 63 cents. Now, on a year-over-year basis, EPS, that declined by 9.33%. That's not a big, big issue, in my opinion, because the EPS was still solid. It still beat expectations, but you know, the decline, not fun to see. Now that is being compared to a major boost earnings date um, or a major earnings segment in which the company had that COVID-19 boost. So that comparable is a bit tough, um, but I'm not too hurt by the 9.33% decline in EPS because revenues expanded by 23% year over year, the uh, $529 million in Q2. Um, so Solid revenue growth. And if we break down those revenues, um, marketplace revenue totaled $395.463 million. Meanwhile, uh, services revenue totaled $133.437 million. So that's a 19.1% increase in marketplace revenue and a 38% expansion in services revenue year over year. Not too bad. Now, alongside revenue, Gross Merchandise Sales, GMS for short, which is a very important metric for Etsy, Improved by 13.1% year over year if you include mask. Now, mask sales were a huge part, huge part of Etsy throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. Why? Because people were making their own mask and they were selling them on Etsy because everyone on God's green earth needed a mask. Well, that's not the case anymore. Um, So there's some fluctuation here in GMS over at Etsy, but GMS for the quarter totaled $3.041 billion in Q2. Now, if we break down GMS, the metric expanded by 31% year over year if you exclude mask. So solid GMS improvements across the board. Love to see it. If we shift in the profits, gross profit totaled $379.931 million. That's up 19.7%. Gross profit increasing, revenue increasing, GMS increasing, my, oh my, the increases don't stop with Etsy. Um, and if we look at income, well, that improved 1.9%. Not a giant improvement, but it improved to $98.254 million bucks in the quarter. Now, rotating into earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization, EBITDA for short, adjusted EBITDA on a non-GAAP basis, which really means um, they're not following gap standards, declined by 7.4% year over year. Now, That is a decline in EBITDA, um, and EBITDA margin declined 26%. um, Well, declined to 26% from 35%. That's a 900 basis point decline. And we also saw free cash flow decline to $116 million from $220 million. Now, why? Well, there were sizable costs, some related to the acquisition of Depop. Um, And then there was also a lot of reinvestment in the company, especially in some marketing expenses. Um, So, overall, 
We're seeing increased cost over here at Etsy, but I think it's worth that given the significant increases they saw um, over there in gross profit over in GMS and in revenue. I like to see it as well as that steady EPS. Um, now, according to management, the decline in EBITDA was a direct result of reinvestment in the company, and that is exactly what they noted in the letter. Now, rounding out financial metrics, operating expenses increased by 46.7% year-over-year, totaling $290.826 million in Q2. Do note, it is not uncommon to see significant increases in expenses among quick or quickly growing companies such as Etsy. These very high growth names um, tend to have big increases in cost as well because at the end of the day, it takes money to make money. That's business. Now, shifting into user metrics, active sellers on the platform increased by 66.7% year over year, the 5.233 million sellers. On the flip side, active buyers increased by 50.1% year over year to 90.490 million buyers. Finally, gross merchandise sales per active buyer extend, uh, expanded by 22% to a strong $129 per active buyer. For reference, GMS per active buyer was just 105 bucks in Q2 of 2020. So pretty darn solid um, increases across the board when it comes to user growth. Now, looking to the future, management is bullish, expecting Q3 GMS um, to land within a range of $2.9 billion to $3 billion, representing a 12.5% expansion year over year. Revenues are expected to land within a range of $500-$525 million, while EBITDA margin is expected to land around 25%, um, which is 1% lower than the 26% we saw just last quarter. Now, Leaving the financial area, leaving the earnings area, we're going to shift into the balance sheet. The balance sheet is very important. Total debt, $2.323 billion. Total liabilities, $2.760 billion. Meanwhile, total assets, $3.290 billion. And the cash is short-term investments level of $2.485 billion. So those cash, short-term investments, and overall total assets outweighing the liabilities and debt. I like to see it. I wish that debt level was a little lower, but so be it. Balance sheet, not too bad. On a valuation basis, well, that's not bad either compared to some other um, e-commerce competitors, um, but it is elevated with the price to earnings right around 51 times, a forward price to earnings around 49 times, a price to sales of around 11 times, a price to book at 42.6 times, and a price to cash flow of 50.8 times. So definitely elevated when it comes to the price and valuation, but not too bad compared to competitors such as, say, a Shopify. Now, management has been effective with a return on equity of 92.18%, phenomenal uh, return on assets, 19.25%, and return on invested capital of 22.27%. Once again, I believe this management team knows what they're doing. They've gone on the acquisition side of things, and they're building out the company, increasing that total addressable market, getting access to that Gen Z consumer expanding revenues, expanding profits, expanding income, expanding the user base. Meanwhile, they're turning out a great return on equity, turning out a great return on assets, and turning out a great return on invested capital. So, I mean, I'm not complaining here about this management team. Very experienced, and I can tell. Now, given the numbers, the analysts are bullish with a mean price target of $217.93 per share. That's roughly 20% upside from here, 17.35% uh, upside from the current share price. Now, the high price target, $270 a share. The low price target, $163 a share. I'm bullish on Etsy. I think it moves to the upside over the long term. I'm more in line with the high price target and mean price target. Now, the big money is quite involved with 85.26% of Etsy being owned by institutions. Top orders include the Vanguard Group, BlackRock Institutional Trust, and Wellington Management Company. 
Now, if you want a technical breakdown of Etsy, you know how it goes. Go to runningwiththemoney.com. Go under the analysis tab and you'll find the Etsy breakdown with a technical breakdown and all this information 100% completely free, written in white and easy article format that you will understand. Um, Now, Meanwhile, if we explore investor sentiment, um, the Bears believe that Etsy is a strict COVID-19 play, which I don't agree with that, but um, and that they garnered an unusual boost due to the stay-at-home trend and that that stay-at-home trend is over and Etsy is going to struggle from here when it comes to growth. I disagree. Meanwhile, the Bulls believe that Etsy is a promising e-commerce winner that will leverage its unique platform in recent acquisitions like the Depop acquisition to expand exponentially. In short, Etsy, ticker symbol ETSY, is a promising e-commerce opportunity, boasting an expanding user base, reliable management team, and improving financials coupled with a $1.7 trillion total addressable market and a unique access to the Gen Z consumer, not to mention the fact that the app was the number seven shopping app um, so far year to date, and that so far, also year to date, there's been 9 million downloads of Etsy's shopping app, very impressive there. So a heavily downloaded app. Um, so I like Etsy for the long-term phenomenal company. If you want to read through this breakdown instead of me reading it through you and reading it to you and messing up every five seconds, um, go to runningwiththemoney.com. Check it out. Um, in the meantime, we're going to go through the watch list to close out this show. We're going to go through the heat map and see what's going on here with the market. Are there any opportunities um, around the market and Current prices, well, I see a Microsoft and an Amazon and a Facebook and a Taiwan Semi and an NVIDIA and an Alibaba and a Disney and a Netflix all moving to the downside as well as an AMD, which I think can cool off a little more. Um, I see energy taking a broad hit. I see the metals, precious metals moving to the downside. Um, Some of my favorite industrials, the Honeywell, the General Electric, the Lockheed Martin, the Raytheon, all moving to the downside as well. I see Airbnb continuing to move to the downside. I think that's an underestimated travel play. One, two, check out. Um, And what else do I see? Well, I see a Visa and a MasterCard and a PayPal moving to the downside. PayPal, I love that company. Phenomenal. Buy the stock if you don't own it. You see the financials doing quite well. Not many opportunities over there in the financial world, but I do believe they're still viable after a pullback in recent weeks. Definitely an area to check out as well. I see some very strong consumer statistical names moving to the downside, such as Starbucks and Home Depot and Lowe's and Nike. And I'm just listing off a lot of these strong companies that I believe are buys that are down today. Um, And possibly it'll give you an idea to take a look at one of them and open a new position. Um, and I also see, you know, a Lowe's down in a, I mean, Home Depot and Lowe's, two phenomenal companies. Heck, if you want in on that home improvement space, just go 50-50 on both. I mean, they're both very strong companies. Um, and we also see today a surprising bounce here in, for instance, some of these Chinese stocks, such as JD.com, moving to the upside over 3%. So overall, I like the market. I like the opportunities. I'm seeing Adobe is another one I'm seeing today. Um, definitely an area to check out social media and Twitter is also down. Um, so check that area out as well. Adobe, my, oh my solid company with all their software. Heck I even use their software and this is literally, um, I think Adobe is one of the best technology companies that's overlooked consistently in the market. It's craziness to me. Either way, that is another episode of the running with the money podcast. Thank you for listening. Um, and I will see you again on Wednesday to talk to markets, talk, you know, overall economics and really what is affecting the investor psychology at the moment. Because as we all know, the market is a reflection of investor psychology. In the meantime, eat, sleep, profit, trade on, and I will see you on Wednesday.